We who believe in freedom cannot rest. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. We who believe Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. It's my joy to be on the air. And I'm in the studio today. Hi, Eric. How are you doing? Hey, good afternoon, Harriet. Oh, it's I'm, so good to be in the studio. It's been yeah, a while. It's good it's to see you. Good to look out the window and see all this, see uh, to see the wonderful weather and uh, know that it's not raining, although we need rain. Uh, I think we should call the Hopi Indians and the people who know how to make rain for the West Coast. We need rain. We like this weather, but we need rain. <laughs> It, I, I'm As a glad, Californian, you know we need rain. That's true. <laughs> I'm, I was going to say I'm glad we're post heat wave. Yeah, it's been really like Goldilocks weather since then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just perfect. Oh but. yeah, oh yeah. So yeah, thank you so much for all you do for my, for our show for mothers for police accountability. Well, I, our goal is to keep the grassroots voice alive, not only in Seattle but around the country. And so we want to just bring on my local guest, Mr. Eddie Rye. Uh, he does a good job of that. He's going to come and give an update. And then after that, I'm going to do, after that segment, I'm going to do a tribute to my stepmother who passed away uh, on May, on June 23rd. How you doing, Mr. Rye? Very fine, Reverend Harry. But first of all, I want to extend condolences to the loss of your stepmother. Yes. And that's first and foremost on my mind because it is on yours. And I'm so happy to fact, uh, happy with the, uh, that you have the opportunity to do something on your program uh, to honor her. So that that's a good thing. Right, uh, going you. back to uh, what's happening right now, the right to vote is <laughs> uh, is the most important thing for most uh, people who love democracy, regardless of your color. But right now, we all out campaign to deny certain people access to the ballot. And uh, I just heard recently that the Texas Democrats will leave the state rather than allow uh, to be in the state because they can be uh, summoned to the legislature. But uh, they will leave the state for a period of time to ensure that this uh, draconian voter suppression legislation being pushed by Governor Abbott does not go through. So, uh, you know, the things are happening like even in Kansas City, for example, uh, they're talking about now dividing up Congressman Emanuel Cleaver, the second district, into three or four different areas to dissect it because he has most of Kansas City. So these efforts are going on, and that's one thing uh, everybody got to If we need to get in the streets, we need to get in the streets about our right to vote because we're talking about our democracy, especially when you see people like certain folks in the Republican Party who are saying that January 6th, <laughs> oh, well, these folks were just misguided and, you know, they were hoodlums, they were thugs, they tried to overthrow the United States government. They picked a day that the Electoral College votes were going to be counted to confirm that President Joseph A. Biden was the elected president. It happened while Donald Trump was still in office. He inspired it. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, uh, our democracy is, is really being tested greatly right now because you got a certain group that don't want certain people to vote. Seventy lie. million. I mean, not a certain group. Seventy million people. That's a large. And, that, well, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'm just saying, and and will lie about, and will lie about that. I know that was Jesse Weinberg called. I'm on the radio, but anyway, <laughs> let me take care of this right now. But um, and and what's going? on, I mean, all across the country, and it's all about the fact that you know 
then there's a certain group wants to be in power, and that says it, and, and to any mean by any means necessary. Now you've got all this talk now about the Taliban and you know what's happening in Cuba, but the Taliban is not keeping me for taking my trying to take my vote away. No, the Taliban didn't That's go right. and try to overthrow the government, you know, and whatever the people in Cuba want to do. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, if they take over, I hope they get a lot of them from South Florida and have them go back over there. Okay. <laughs> but as far as I'm concerned, you know, uh, that's just another wing of, uh, well, anyway, I won't call call, call anybody their names. But uh, I was wondering how long this was going to go on. But right now, we need to keep our eyes on democracy in the United States of America and not be diverted, have our attention diverted. Yeah, we need to be, should have been out of Afghanistan a long time ago. Over two trillion dollars, twenty five hundred Americans have lost their lives, and you got uh, former Governor Chris Christie arguing about why we should stay because the Taliban might. The Taliban, like I said, is not taking preventing me and my people from voting. So I'm more focused right here. And the other thing we've got to keep an eye on too is we've got to say for blacks in the military, it's time to say if we can't vote, we can't fight. Right here we I agree are with all that. around the world. Yep, they're Since all world around. One. And South Korea, Germany, Middle East, everywhere. And when President Biden went to England, a number of black airmen at this air base in England, what are they fighting for when their people at home can't even vote? Now, we just have to be realistic about this, and we got to use any means necessary to ensure that we participate as democracy, that over 400 years we've built this joint for free, as my daughter would say. We've died in every war. African Americans are the most patriotic group most patriotic. That's country. that's correct. We're the most patriotic group in this country, and still get treated like second-class citizens. And we one foot off a plantation when it comes down to economic and educational and social justice. So uh, I'm concerned that uh, I'm hoping that if we get a, a, a shot once again at the Great Society programs by giving some people some hope, it will also stop the carnage of what's happening in the black community with all these killings. So, well, it's all over the country, and you know what? I mean, uh, we have to really look at that and examine uh, and examine really what's going on. But I think the other part that's going on, too, is that the Democrats need to have more courage. Okay, one thing about the left, uh, the other way, the other people, they understand the agenda and what they want. I mean, the Democrats is the big tent Democrats, and uh, you have all of these, all the people want something. But if we don't get the right to vote, nothing else is going to work in America. That's why they need to come together, and uh, absolutely. And Stacey Abrams should be in every state. I mean, she got it done. And it seems to me that they're not wanting to pull it all out and use everything that's necessary to be able to turn this around. Now, uh, the uh, the director of the uh, Justice Department is going after people, but the Supreme Court has already sided with Arizona. So we don't know how this is going to end up. And so Congress needs to pass a law. To be able to to be able to strengthen this, and so, but do they have the will? You know, we haven't had a strong uh, uh, party, Democratic Party, since LBJ. I mean, so really, I mean, they, they, I, I I see where the weak links are. They they're not using the strength that that uh, that got them elected, and it was the strength of a, a, a Tracy Abram and all the people that that she helped organize, not only in, in Georgia but other places. They she should be out on the road, being able to uh, should be the spokesperson. Of this, uh, of this whole trying to get people to understand the the um, power, the the power uh, of the ballot, and why we need to be voting. See, we need to turn out. I mean, we need to all turn out, stand up for whatever event is coming up. We need to show up. We now have social media. 
you know, we can, we can, there are a lot of things we can do. We can let people know where, where we feel without leaving uh, the couch. Uh, just think when Dr. King and those guys, they didn't have social media. No. They had a hostile press. <laughs> and uh, the, when for the black press, the word never would have gotten out, but those meetings at the churches worked. Now we need to show up. We need to, sh- we got we need to, the, the, the stand up. We need to show up. We need to speak up for our rights. And uh, uh, a lot of other people thought they were, they were safe and secure. They're beginning to see that uh, they're being discounted as well, but we need to take the lead because had it not been like uh, the, uh, the, the president of the MLK Ghana Empower Nation says, who got him from India when he was one years old with his dad, he said, had it not been for blacks and the civil rights movement, my people wouldn't be here. Uh, if it had not been for a lot of black blood, there are a lot of folks who are uh, from, from South Vietnam that supported Donald Trump. They oh. wouldn't be here if black folks had to die for them to have that privilege. Isn't it amazing, it, it's, isn't it amazing how, uh, and also Toyota was giving money to uh, uh, to, to the protesters, to to. Toyota a company was giving money to uh, to to the uh, to the uh, to Trump's people on the other side uh, that that was planning the uh, insurrection. So there's something going on in America, and it's not all of Asia, but it's something that's going on with people who come to this country and uh, and got here uh, because of us, uh, and then on the end, uh, you know, would, would side with people who want to harm us. I mean, that well, you know, we have to we have to look at the fact that when we had I one thousand, there's a certain group called uh, Asians for Equality, and this group of very affluent Chinese immigrants, and because we had the Asian brothers and sisters and organizations we work with supported affirmative action and supported I one thousand, but half of them needed interpreters. They were not citizens, but the only people they made, they made derogatory remarks about were African Americans and and Latinos. Oh, they didn't say Hispanics; they said Latinos. Okay, so, but on the other hand, I don't want to confuse the issue. It was not all Asians. It was a group of Chinese immigrants. And it's the same group, I think. Uh, they were led by the Proud Boys, John Carlson and, and Tim Iman, the Proud Boys. They were led by them. But little did they know, white supremacy will not have nothing to do with them, no matter how bad they talk about black folks, just like Denise D'Souza and uh, 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 Stephen Miller, who is a, a Jewish guy, who uh, writes for uh, 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 Breitbart and uh, writes was writing all the anti-immigrant policies for Donald Trump. And I put on Twitter, Stephen Miller, do you and Denise D'Souza think that uh, you would have been invited to speak at Charlottesville in 2017 during the white right uh, rally? It was saying, Stephen Miller, you will not replace us, but still you lick in their boots. <laughs> uh, white supremacists will never accept all you uh, bootlicking, uh, people of color who embrace white supremacy, you will never be accepted to the club, okay? You might as well figure that out right now. You get treated like anybody else. Stephen well, but, Miller, but, that's but, why you were not in Charlottesville, because you were not invited. You would have been on You would have been on the menu and not on, at the table. Well, I think, too, that I think that what we need to understand, Mr. Ryan, is that at the end of the day, the cheese stands alone. We're the cheese. And if you remember the nursery, Ryan, Little Sally Walker, you know, all of that. And at the end, the cheese stands alone. And uh, and, and that's just when we find out who our true, true friends are. Uh, but the, uh, the, the road for democracy is long. It's been hard. We've been fighting it. We're the only people in America who stood up and fought the Constitution and made it. And, 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 and we thank Thurgood Marshall for all the work he did. I mean, for taking these cases to the Supreme Court. 
I mean, the court is shut down to us today. We're already in Jim Crow because he got 400 judges and he got the Supreme Court. So, as you say, we have to do something to un- to unwind this. But education uh, is the most important thing. But if voting was not so important, why would they be putting so much emphasis on it? I mean, because really, they, they are they, they are outnumbered. But it's one thing I would say. Last time I was on your program, I mentioned some people's names uh, about the United Construction Workers Association. Right. But okay. I do like uh, uh, Michael Wu, for example, was uh, was he and uh, uh, Todd Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyree Hardyberg, those guys, they led the charge. That's right. And this was this was about blacks getting into five building trade unions. So when you see Roberto Maestas, Juan Boca Negra, uh, the late Roberto Maestas, Juan Boca Negra, Bernie Whitebeard, the BSU, Black Student Union, and also the Chicano Student Association led by Sam Martinez, they all went to jail for black folks to get jobs. And that's what led us to support uh, the acquisition of Beacon Hill Elementary School to be El Centro de la Raza. So I want, don't want people to think that we don't walk across, work across ethnic lines, because we do. Right. We had, as a matter of fact, it was so few of us. We all lived in the same neighborhood. We grew up together because of racism and redlining. So we all have those relationships that go back 60, 70 years. And as you know, that's what I'm saying. So there are a whole bunch of folks, like I said, <clears throat> when it come down, and, and uh, here's a good example. In 1960, 1965, the Japanese American Citizens League was in, in Tulsa. Uh, uh, it was in Selma, Alabama. In 2015, they went back 50 years later to stand with black folks right. in, in, in Selma. So yes. we have a lot of a uh, lot of friends and, and other ethnic it's, groups. It's been some great co- collaborating. It's been we've been like you say we've been collaborating with uh, with our friends and our neighbors uh, uh, from other ethnicities in this town for a long time, and that's one of the reasons why we've had some fights and we've won some fights. You know, I mean, that's always wonderful for you to come on and to uh, give us an update. Next time we'll talk about mutiny in the police department, because I'm sure you know, you probably you might have heard about it, how uh, who, who who closed the uh, call uh, uh, to close the East Precinct. It wasn't the chief and it wasn't the uh, and it wasn't the mayor. So uh, next time, let's talk about mutiny and, and what happens when they when they rank and file mutiny against the police chief. OK, all I want to do is tell Chief Adrian Diaz, if you want some officers, Go down to Joint Base Lewis McCord, go over to Bremerton, the Naval Shipyard, or go up to Whitney Island, and a whole bunch of brothers and sisters would love to leave that $600 a month and have a $20,000 <laughs> signing bonus of $75,000 a year, what? plus another twenty-five dollars or fifty on overtime. All That's right. all I want to say. All right. Keith Diaz, well, go get the brothers and sisters out the military. All right, then. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. You listen to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. We'll take a break. We'll be right back.
The Public Defenders Association's Racial Disparity Project is proud to sponsor the Mother's Justice Show in partnership with Mothers for Police Accountability and other community allies. The Racial Disparity Project fights for police reform and helps to increase understanding that issues of addiction, mental illness, and homelessness can be better solved through public health strategies than through law enforcement. The Public Defender Association Racial Disparity Project, reducing racial inequality in the Seattle King justice system since 1998. Hi, I'm Arielle Winter. If you're anything like me, your pets are not only your best friends, they're part of your family. American Humane, which has been rescuing animals like Cleo here for more than 100 years, has life-saving tips that can make a big difference before, during, and after disasters such as hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, or wildfires. So when disaster strikes, you want to be prepared to protect them. Be sure to microchip or tag your pets. Never leave them behind in a major crisis and be sure to have an emergency kit ready in your home at all times with a pet crate or carrier, leash, blanket, ID, and medications, their water bowl, and seven to 10 days worth of food. To find out how to protect your entire family during a disaster and help our best friends in their worst times, please visit AmericanHumane.org. Going against the grain has never been this much fun. Alternative Talk 1150. Good afternoon. You're listening to Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW Alternative Talk. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. It's my joy to be on air. Thank you so much, uh, Eric, for that song. Uh, I'm going to spend the next few minutes uh, here uh, giving a tribute to my stepmother. Her name, uh, she passed away uh, on June uh, 23rd, uh, 2020, 2021, Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, she was born and raised there, uh, and she lived the last part of her life back there on the property that she was born on. Her father helped build uh, uh, Tuskegee University. I have a granddaughter there now at Tuskegee and has been down there for four years and spent many hours with Grandma Alice. Um, I've had the fortune of having three mothers in my lifetime. I had my birth mother, uh, Eunice Levine Walden, uh, and she passed away when I was two and a half. And I had my grandparents and my grandmother. Her name was Dosha Lena Clark Walden. Uh, and uh, and she passed away in uh, 1971. But it, uh, my stepmother, Alice, has been with me uh, ever since I, the time I was about five years old. When she married my father, he had a daughter, and uh, she had a daughter from a previous marriage. And my stepmother often would tell me, well, let me just back up. I had a, a, a Easter, Christmas, and birthday daddy uh, uh, because I got packages all the time because I lived with my grandparents in Florida, in Sanford, Florida, and at that time, they were living in Philadelphia. He was a shoe, he was a cobbler. He had his own shoe shop there, uh, and uh, and together they had four children. The four children that she had for my father, uh, Rufus Jr., uh, Clifton, uh, Hiram. He would call him Big Hiram because I have a son named Hiram who's passed and uh, passed away, and Karen. All of her children preceded her in death, uh, and and also uh, my father. But uh, years later, I learned that it was my stepmother who made sure that I got those pretty dresses because I got as many dresses uh, as I had speeches on the uh, Allen Chapel AME 
uh, Christmas and Easter program. I always had three speeches, so I always got three dresses. I was very strategic, and even in those days, I think I might have been maybe a little capitalist is what people might say, but I was, I was scheming then to get more. Didn't know that, though. But I always got, uh, my birthday is 10 days after Christmas, so I never was ever not surprised because on January 4th, all of my life, it was called special delivery then. Now it's called FedEx. A special delivery postman would always come to 1100 Pecan Avenue. That was the address that my grandfather took my grandmother to when he married her uh, in the early 20s. And so I never moved in my life. I always had the same address all of my life. And so it was later on that I learned that um, she sent those boxes because she said, you know, your daddy loved you so much. I needed to love you more than he did. And that's what she did. I mean, she spent a lifetime of loving me, loving my children and my grandchildren. I mean, she, she was my closest confidant and she was my secret keeper. And I, I, in the days when, you, when we only, when before cell phones and calling cards, I used to tell Alice that all of my money goes into phone bills because I was calling her all the time. And she was always available to me. And she came to Seattle many times because we've been here 45 years. So she came to Seattle many times. She was here 2016 was the last time she was here. But the first time, time she get to Seattle is two things she wanted to do. She wants to get to Pipe Place Market because she wanted to see, uh, she wanted to go to the market where the fish, the fish market and see the, uh, see the uh, people there throwing the fish. She loved the ferry. And every time she came to Seattle, I always had a, a, a place, a living, in a, a living in a house where she could see the mountains. She would love to get a cup of coffee and sit there uh, at the table, uh, uh, at the kitchen nook, uh, either, either in the living room, wherever we were at. And we had a view at some, at most, at some of the times in our life in Seattle, we've had a view of, uh, of, uh, of the Cascade Mountains and, uh, and the um, Lake Washington. And uh, she loved that. She loved that. She loved that. Uh, that it was so beautiful here. Um, she spent. Uh, she went to. She spent her life. She was a Catholic. Uh, she went to Catholic school all of her life. Uh, she went to Xavier University. She did not finish Xavier, but she was a connoisseur of current events. She just knew something that was always going on in the world. I don't care what you mentioned. Alice knew about it. Alice knew about it, and. Uh, and uh, a great cook, she had spent most of her life being a domestic, uh, and she would serve a lot of parties and, and cook for people and clean. Uh, uh, but she had dignity and style and class and, uh, and could, could add to anybody's conversation. But what I learned about her that I did not know, <laughs> I didn't know that she would go to the casino. To casino when she got here, she went to market shoots with my daughter-in-law, Tasha, and uh, her auntie. And I saw some of the pictures of her at the uh, what they've taken, and I said, I didn't know Alice went to the to the casino. So you know, it's so many things that you learn about people that you don't know. Um, I, and so she did have that. Uh, I mean, she would talk to me about other people who went to the casino, but she never mentioned herself. And the days when I was Catholic, I was a lady of Saint Peter Claver. That's a, that that's a charity organization. For women, uh, as part of the Catholic uh, uh, structure, and I recommended that my uh, stepmother. I recommended to Alice that she should become a lady, 
on the ladies of St. Peter Claver, and she did. She was a lady of St. Peter Claver for maybe about maybe about thirty years, I guess. Uh, you know, maybe about thirty years she became a lady, and uh, and she just loved going to the church activities. I mean, uh, it's something that she really loved, and, and uh, she loved that. And I uh, her uh, her son Clifton, uh, who I uh, had a stroke, and um, and uh, she went to the nursing home every day to see him and. On some of the days that she couldn't go, she would feel so sad, and I would say, oh, well, Alice, it's okay. You know, you'll get to go another time. I mean, you'll get to go tomorrow sometimes. Uh, and she worked until she was 85. She worked until she was 85 years old. And, um, you know, COVID wasn't nice. I mean, COVID for some people was uh, was difficult. I mean, because before uh, COVID, she went out all the time. I mean, you think, I'm a street person in my car going somewhere Alice was always going someplace. And uh, one of the things that the senior citizens uh, programs, uh, programs there uh, in Montgomery is that they would take the elders to lunch every other week. And uh, they would take them out in the country. They still have the country there. You can go to the farm and uh, get okra. And we both are okra lovers. So, my, so Alice sent me a box of okra every summer. I know I might have people out there who don't like okra. But uh, she said that, and also she made jam. I have a refrigerator with jam that she sent me, and on the yard was a pecan tree. So every year she sent me pecans, uh, you know. And let me, don't let me get away without telling you that she sent, she sent the fruitcake. Man, it's, it's a company in uh, Georgia that makes the best fruitcake for 100 years. Oh, and so Alice sent me uh, three little uh, uh, packages of fruitcake. And because we both like to to sit around and talk about eating fruitcake with some, uh, uh, with with eggnog. So it's like, wow. So uh, anyway, but she's she's a great cook. And every day, out of seven days a week, up until maybe early this year, Alice was cooking on four different four different meals a week. I mean, every time I talked to her, she was cooking something else. And once I heard Paula Dean said, oh, man, she was talking about fish and grits. I called Alice up. I said, Alice, I was raised in Florida. I've never heard of any fish and grits. I think Paula Dean just made that up. She says, Harriet, I just finished serving some fish and grits at a party. I said, oh, my goodness. I don't care what I would call Alice up about. She'd already had it. Whether it was the uh, whether it was the all these new cakes going around here, you know, I mean, it's different kinds of cakes and stuff. She's had everything, but just before she died, I called her up and I said, "Alice, guess what? I bet you haven't had grilled okra." And I had found the recipe because it's a famous restaurant, uh, Communion on Union. That's part of this. It's on their it's on their menu. I never had in my life grilled okra. Oh my God. I called her up, and that's the one thing that Alice had not had. And I call her Queen Mama, you know, because it's like, okay, because she knows so much. Uh, but see, I lived a, a good life. I mean, I, I, she never had any regrets. She never complained. Uh, and I, I know that she probably had a lot of sadness to have seen all of her children, I, I, you know, children that she had for my father had all preceded her in death. But I, I just want people to know that I love Alice. My children love her. My grandchildren love us. And you know why I tell this story? Because just like I taught my children to love her and my children and grandchildren love her, people can teach children not to love. 
and then they hand that down to the next generation. What I've handed down to my children and my grandchildren, that you can always make room for love. That's what Alice did. She made room for me. I never would live with them except when I was 17. I went up there after I finished school, after I graduated from high school. I was in Montgomery, Alabama when they bombed the uh, church there in, uh, uh, in Birmingham. I was in Montgomery. It was the only time I ever lived with them. But they made room for me. And I, want to, and, I'm, and I want my children and my grandchildren to know you can always make room for love. So thank you. So uh, this is my tribute to Alice Sinky Walden as she makes her journey on to the other side. I, I, life after life, all, oh, and her mother and father, they had uh, 12 children, and she's the last of the siblings. Two of the children died in, uh, when they were small, but she was the last of all the siblings to move on to the other side of the veil. So love you, Alice, and I'll be loving you always. And so we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. We'll be right back. Each day I live. I want to be a day to give the best of me. I'm only one, but not alone. My finest day is yet unknown. I broke my Hi, this is Dr. K. Mahina Intra inviting you to tune in on Mondays on 1150KKNW at 5 p.m. to Dr. K's Attuning to Your Abundance, where we honor everyday abundance through positive messages, poetry, music, affirmations, and writing exercises. For more information, contact drkworkshops at gmail.com or Facebook, Dr. K's Abundance. I can't believe we have to make this commercial. It's ridiculous. You'll think it's ridiculous too. Listen to this. This commercial is about, well, it's about parents being rude at high school athletic events. Ridiculous, right? It gets worse. Studies show more than 75% of new high school officials are quitting because of bad adult behavior. So now there's a shortage of refs here in Washington, in almost all sports. No officials means no more games. Is that what you want for us? Come on, parents. It's time to grow up. Cheer for your team. Be proud of your children. But stop being so ridiculous. And don't make us run another commercial. Because we will. This message presented by the Washington Interscholastic Activities Association and the Washington State Secondary Athletic Administrators Association, reminding you to always practice good sportsmanship. Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Knorr with your health tip of the day from the African American Wellness Project. Prostate cancer is the most common cancer for men. African American men are more at risk. That's primarily because it's often diagnosed when it's more advanced. The good news is that diagnosed early in most prostate cancer can be treated effectively. If you're a man over 50 or have a family history of prostate cancer, talk to your doctor today about a test. For more information, visit aawellnessproject.org. Alternative Talk 1150.
Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walter. It's my joy to be on the air. And I want to thank everyone for listening to that tribute to my stepmother. We're going to bring my next, our next, our next guest on. Uh, uh, my next guest, uh, too, I have uh, Reverend uh, Kitty Ward. Uh, she's the uh, director of the Agape House, and she has one of her board members, uh, Ms. Betty uh, Jamerson. Welcome to the Mother's Justice Show. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be thank here. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for saying yes. You know, yes is so important to say yes. You know that? So you said right. yes, and uh, so let's just get with this uh, yes here. Uh, number one, I, I'm glad that you said yes because I, 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 I know you. True transparency. I always let people know when I know people that I'm interviewing. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I, I know Miss Ward, uh, and, uh, and I've been knowing her for a while. But I don't know uh, that much about the Gopi House. I've heard about it. I mean, I think it's. I think what you're doing uh, uh, is wonderful, and I just like for you and uh, and your board member, Miss uh, Miss Jamerson, to just uh, just have a conversation about the Gopi House. I know what the word Gopi means, but maybe everybody else doesn't. So, what does the word Gopi mean? All right. Well, Gopi means um, the unrelenting, uncompromising love of God. And it's not based on anything you do or how you act. It's based on him and how incredible he is and how he loves us. Okay. Well, I tell you, what the world needs some agape love today. So, hey, let's just... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And the people who love us that way always make a a a lasting impression upon us. So, yeah, so, hey, let's just get to the history of this and uh, let's get, let's just... Get with it. So, hey. All right. Well, folks, I really want you to know Miss Betty. Betty is one of those people who's been in the community and is a civic activist and just cares about our kids. And so, Betty, thank you for joining us today. Um, yes, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm pleased. All right. Let me quickly give you a, the Reader's Digest Um about 2014 or so, 2013, we were, um, I was going through Seward Park and came up on Rainier Avenue or so and kept seeing beautiful black and brown women leaning over cars, wondering what they were doing. Found out later that indeed they were women of this, they were women in the life. Um, they were young. They were like my kids. They were sisters. And uh, as I explored it further, I found that the FBI has stated that the foster care system is a pipeline to sexual and human trafficking. The thing that troubled me greatly was that the preponderance of the young women on the streets were black and brown. And the people in the cars who were uh, looking like and were picking them up were indeed uh, Anglo men. So uh, about that time, I gathered together a group of very feisty, fully uh, committed, impassioned, uh, and compassionate women from the community um, who just knew that we needed to do something. And so we began a needs assessment. We began looking at who would be, was out there, uh, how we could make a difference, how we could touch the lives of these young women. And... Uh, and that's pretty much how it happened. Our board, our first board, uh, Reverend Walden, was about uh, 90%, and it still is, 90% black and brown, and about 80% female. Um, 
and it's been it's been a tremendous Isaiah 54 hall. <laughs> we have watched God move, and uh, today's program is just another example of His goodness. Okay, and how many how many people did you call together initially? How many? We had about 18, oh, 18. women on the uh, people on the okay. board at the our first board, and it was in our phase one. It was you know looking at whether this was possible. Wow. Well, I. I tell you one thing that I I know just from starting an organization myself 31 years ago uh, is that uh, one of the things that they say that uh, when the world is in trouble, God calls up calls up women from age from age to age, from east to west and uh, uh, north to south, and uh, and so this is just another example uh, that uh, and I think the reason why we are called so much is because we come early and we stay late. That's just all over the world, no matter what the culture. No matter what it, what the uh, religion is, uh, I mean, yeah. women come early. It's just yeah. who we are, yeah. and uh, and we tend to stay late. So I really want to just acknowledge that 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 uh, job that uh, women uh, can c- continue to do, because yeah. we're such yeah. lovers of our of children, uh, uh, and and I'm talking about well mothers and well people. We know that we have other women who are not yeah. well, and, uh, and 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 children have a, a different results, but. You know the health, the uh, the foster care system uh, in, in state of Washington, uh, you know, needs to have a lot of overhaul. Number one, because uh, so many children have fallen through the cracks. And what you're saying now, I mean, when when people time out, it's like it, it, it's not like their life is over. It's just that they've aged out of a system. <laughs> that yeah, yeah, you and, know. And the system, the foster care system, is intended. You know, it's got to keep rolling, and so. You have to go out at some point. There's even an extended foster care program where kids can stay for another two or three years as long as I, as I understand this correctly, as long as they're making positive efforts. Is this right, Betty, to, uh, do you know, to move in the areas of employment or schooling? Um, uh, Locke, Governor Locke did some really amazing stuff uh, in terms of putting monies together for uh, foster care kids to continue their education. But, but uh, uh, yeah, the tricky part, uh, Reverend Walden, is that they, if they don't pick up on it in a certain period, then they are out and for another 12 months. Is that what you, what do you know, Miss Betty? Well, I, I do, um, I've noticed that, I've heard that the Washington State, actually in May of this year, has passed some new laws to ex- the age limit for foster care so that will that will help for the young ladies that stay in their homes but for the young ladies that have run away for the homes because the homes aren't giving them what they need right it it still doesn't service them you know yeah i I was talking with um kitty and we were talking about the one night out and i've done that several times and i was like we see the statistics for the young women that have aged out that are Maybe I've gotten in trouble, but what about the young women that are living on the streets that are not um, committing crimes but are just still displaced, still living on the streets, still being trafficked? Those statistics aren't even being counted. And Mm so Mm -hmm. part of the DAPI vision, Kitty's vision, is that once she gets back up running is that you'll have advocates on the street Mm -hmm. communicating and reaching out to even these women that are statistically lost. Right, right. 
Uh, wow, this you, is really something, though, to, to think about that. Uh, because you mentioned, you mentioned schooling, and I was over on uh, Paul Allen's town the other day, over there on the other side of uh, by Fairview and that, that part of right, town and right, all right, of that. Right, uh, and, right. and that's another kind of zip code, probably a rich zip code. And I was seeing all people from different era, different ethnicities and mainly uh, East Indians and uh, Caucasians and yep. uh, not very many uh, uh, African-Americans mm-hmm. uh, in that area. And I was thinking, and I just wanted to put this out there because she mentioned schooling, Miss Miss Betty mentioned schooling, is the only difference between those people and those good jobs uh, mm-hmm. uh, and our kids and the kids sometimes that goes to foster care is good education. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the terrible thing is that it's so expensive for young people to go to school now, and they accrue these terrible interest rates. If you do get into college, if you are, the statistics run something like this. If you're a foster care graduate, you probably have a 50% chance of getting into college. Uh, but the stats in Seattle show that only 30% of those who are black in the area, in Seattle, are college graduates, as contrasted with about 75% of those who are white in Seattle. So what we've got is if you can't, and college is not the only route. There are a lot of great programs like STEM and other technical programs that we want to get our kids and our girls and becoming a chef, not just a barista, a chef, so that you can learn the trades and join the unions, and get money in your pocket. When you get money in your pocket, you can live in a nice house, which is another thing that we, we're looking at in Seattle. 35%, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a little bit sketchy on my, my stats here, about 35% of blacks in this area own their own home, as contrasted with 80% of whites in this area. What we're trying to do is we're trying to give our young women, who maybe others have given up on, and we're trying to give them an opportunity to reach maximum goals. And, and, and I think after talking to women, I get it. All of us think somewhere in deep inside of us, this might sound Pollyanna, but this is what I have found, that we are princes, that there's something valuable inside of us. And that kind of thing is what we try to tap. We try to reach in and say, come on, we're here. We've got mother mentors that run with our girls. We've got business mentors that come alongside our kids and say, here, this is what you do. This is how you dress for the interview. This is what you do when you're on the job. So we're trying to make it a win-win for our kids and for our society because we think it's good return on investment. Human life is a wonderful return on anyone's investment. So what is Mother's Mentor? I saw that. I thought that was cool. So what? <laughs> I, I, so let's give a little information about, you know, it's like a Mother's Mentor. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. So what is yeah, that? Yeah, it plays back to, you know, the love that you sensed and you had from your from your stepmommy. It's, it's the love that all of us need. And sometimes, um, sadly, okay, sometimes our girls, want to reach out to their moms, but sometimes their moms are not, they're not present. And then maybe it's because they have been in the penal system, they're not there. Or maybe they've got 
a drug problem or maybe a mental problem or maybe just a lack of interest problem. Not everyone that bears a child is necessarily going to feel the stuff that says, I want to be here. And you know, that's that too is something that we need to deal with. So what we want is, and what we've found successful about half of our kids that came into our program wanted a mom mentor, they thought, mm. because and they, mom mentors do things like pick up the phone at 2 in the afternoon. This is what I say. 2 in the afternoon at 2 in the, in the morning. And some of them say, no, that's kidding. So we go, okay, fine. But it's, it's being there to just get it. You, you don't always feel that your body's beautiful. You don't always like the professor that you're running into. You don't always want to hang out with your sibling. You don't always... Uh, you just don't always have answers and want somebody that is in your life that says, it's okay, I don't always have answers. Let's, let's work this out together. It's just the human element, of the, the agape, the thing that says, you really count to me. And because you count, we know you'll count with others and yourself. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. This is, this is really, really, really an excellent uh, program that you got you talking about uh, Reverend Kitty, let's take a short break here and come back and so you can lay out some more uh, what's going on and and uh, hear from Betty and then just talk about how we can uh, what you know what to ask is and you know why what 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 and how the community can help you. You listen to the uh, you listen to the Mother's Justice Show on 11:50 a.m. KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. I'll be right back. And I never thought I'd be this way. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm glad I got the chance to say that I do believe I love you. And Hi, this is Dr. K. Mahina Intron, inviting you to tune in on Mondays on 1150 KKNW at 5 p.m. to Dr. K's Attuning to Your Abundance where we honor everyday abundance through positive messages, poetry, music, affirmations, and writing exercises. For more information, contact drkworkshops at gmail.com or Facebook, Dr. K's Abundance. Saving Great Animals, a Seattle-based dog rescue organization, matches families with dogs that are the best fit. Dogs that come from overcrowded animal control shelters, from abandonment or neglect. The key to Saving Great Animals' success is a trial adoption program, including training and counsel as needed. This way, you know you have the right dog before the adoption is final. Saving Great Animals relies solely on donations, so please visit Saving Great Animals animals.org today multicultural multi-dimensional even alternative talk 1150 Oh, good afternoon. You're listening to The Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW Alternative Talk. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. Thank you so much, uh, Eric. You always find just the right appropriate music. Uh, I'm, going, I'm going to nominate uh, Eric for, the, the, uh, for, for getting the award for finding the appropriate music. All right, Eric? 
<laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna a special category for you, okay? <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, gladly uh, accept that. All Thank right, you. all right. Very, very, very good. All right, I want to bring my guests, my host back on. I uh, Mr. Reverend Kitty Ward and uh, Miss Betty Jameson. Uh, and uh, they're with the Agape House, the Love House, the Unconditional House that say, we're going to love you up. So welcome back. So let's talk about this. I mean, going to love them up. Right? <laughs> All right. Betty, you want to go first? Uh-oh. Well, yeah, Betty, you could talk about why you're there and how you love them up. All you know, right. and what, you know I mean, you know, in this day and age, people can have a lot of other choices, but you're there. That's true, and I met um, Kitty and um, the Agape House maybe about five years ago. Yeah. And um, just um, once I met um, Kitty and seen the compassion about, um, at the time, she was just opening up her home, and um, they the home needed a lot of work. They was bringing the volunteers with the work, <laughs> and just the vision um, oh. Kitty's yeah, vision was, and dedication was, over the last, you know, when she, sitting down with her. So this vision had been going on for maybe 15, 20 years before I became into the in a meeting with Kitty. And so they have received a house on Genesee and um, were able to bring in three women, three young women into the home. And those three women, um, one got her GD and... Um, and then um, the other two jobs and schooling. So just to finally see somebody that's actually not just talking about making a difference in our community, but actually making the moves to um, help the community. It might not be large numbers, but even if we just reach one, help one, and um, mm -hmm. it's very important mm -hmm. to me. So yeah. and. Um, and also just being able to do it through the love of Christ. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank yeah. you. I mean, I want to just honor your commitment, uh, I bet, because I know, I mean, I've had organizations and um, and volunteers and people who come and stay for a while. I mean, they're godsend, you know, yeah. I mean, because you get people who come in and out and, you know, everybody, nobody comes forever. Uh, uh, but when you have people who stay uh, uh, and give the, give the program some stability, uh, with, with their showing up, uh, it's a gift, and I want to honor that. I want to say thank you for that. And uh, uh, as and you were talking about love, so you all just loving up people over there. Is that right? So this is cool. Plus, you Betty is a, a she's candid. She's just so honest, uh, kind but honest. And so as you're doing this, your myopic vision is not quite necessarily correct. I mean, I'm seeing things in a certain way and pumping it doing what I know to do with the staff who are all volunteers, but we're changing that. And uh, the, uh, the board who are incredible. And Betty's one of those people who has the love for our kids, but also really it's very clear uh, in her thinking, and I really need that. Um, the, the thing about our house was that we had it um, over there in Seward Park. It was darling. It had three bedrooms, and it, we, we went in and talking, you know, what you were talking about, Reverend Walden, about women. They came in, and, man, they just went through that place like like Sherman or whatever. There's people that use this trite little phrase, and I'm not really up on it, obviously. But they went through it. They cleaned it up. It, we, we put down new carpet, floors, paint. <laughs> I, oh, dear Lord, it was fabulous. 
and uh, each woman had their own room because women having their own room is critical in this kind of situation because a lot of our young women need their own room for obvious reasons. Um, and then we, I think we had about four women in total for a year uh, because the fellow who was renting it to us said, we need to kick you out. <laughs> and he virtually did because he went to another program where he could get more money. Right. Uh, yeah. And so we, we, uh, we moved our ladies to other safe harbors. Uh, but as, as Betty was saying, one young woman got her GED, one got, uh, was able to work at uh, Fred Hutch, got training. Another one got, came out of her car and was, began to work at a, she was living in her car and began to work at another place. And another woman came in at the kind of the tail end, but had never been able to keep a job. So uh, she was able to keep a job for about four months, which was absolutely <laughs> incredible. Uh, what what we want to do now is we want to look at a an agency, actually a business that has the uh, they built little houses, but they're just one bedroom. And what you do is you put that little house on a um, on a, uh, a parking lot. Uh, the little house takes the space of about one parking lot spot. And then you work in conjunction with whether a church or a, an agency uh, that will allow you to use their running water and their facilities and their uh, their being able to cook and and to just get classes and crisis counseling and other things that our that our young women need. That's what we're looking at now. We're also doing the traditional stuff of going into the U and W area and, and looking at houses that we can rent. But the bottom line is that we want to serve each woman and to find that woman first. A lot of our kids are kind of hidden. That one night count that Betty was talking about those kids, we went, we've gone out on that, and they see you coming. And of course, they're not going to show up, uh, uh, but we know they're there. And we know that HUD and the, even the one-night count can tell us that those, those youngsters are there. And proportionately, based on what we have in the Seattle area, they are a huge percentage of young people right. on the streets. Yeah. Well, we want to make sure you have time to give your email out uh, and your website out. Uh, so uh, we want to just make sure you can do that. So if you could uh, give your email and how people can contact you uh, and, uh, you know, maybe make some connection. That would be, that'd be fabulous, yeah. All right. Uh, the email address is agape, A, a capital G, like George, A-P-E, women, plural, W-O-M-E-N, and the number seven at Gmail. Dot com. We also have a Facebook presence. Um, we have a, with under the Agape uh, House, Inc. We have a website uh, for those who want to see a little bit more about us, uh, www.agapehouseinc.org. Right. Uh, um, we have uh, an address if you just want to send it if you want to send a contribution yeah, gonna, in. Can you hurry you up and give it. that? Because sure. it's yeah. To the Agape House, care of 1002nd Avenue, Suite 3200, uh, Seattle, Wash 98104. All right. If you, 
If you are into Zell, we love Zell, Z-E-L-L-E, you can make a contribution to Willetta, that's my alias, W-I-L-L-E-T-T-A, Ward, at Agape Women. All right. Well, thank you so much. And so we're just running. Our our time is uh, uh, always goes by faster than we ever believe. So we thank you. (laughs) I thank you, Reverend Ward and uh, and uh, Miss Betty Jameson for being on the Mother's Justice Show. Uh, And I want to tell my guests that I'll be back next week uh, with uh, with Eileen Grimes uh, uh, that does the, the Jupiter Rising show. So thank you so much for listening to the Mother's Justice Show, uh, and I'll see you next week. Thanks. Until it comes, we who believe in-